This is an ABC podcast. All right, Babs, shall we bang on? Let's do it. Let's bang on. On. Hello. Hello, Zan. How are you going? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm excellent. You're packing up the house. I am packing up the house. The, the life of a showbiz woman. She's showbiz moving woman. Town. I'm moving to Adelaide. Adelaide, we're coming for you. <laughs> oh, speaking of bank fam, I might need a dog walker in Adelaide. Can someone help me, please? <laughs> Straight in. <laughs> Straight in. I just realised that was as I was driving here today, I realised that was the one thing I haven't organised. Everything else is organised. The cats even flew to Adelaide this morning, set, set them off at the Virgin Terminal, at the airport, the cargo terminal, and I cried. Do they have to come in? You know when you send, kid, you send kids along and they, they, you know, you've got a steward, an air, airline host person mm. taking, you know, the kid along to the plane. Do they do they have accompaniment if they're cats as well? Nervous. Yeah. Or nervous or young. Have a little friend taking them onto the plane? Oh, it would be lovely. Imagine if they got some crayons and did some drawings <laughs> while they were, they were flying. No, as far as I know, they're in with all the other poor animals in the cargo hold, probably absolutely freaking out as we speak, flying over <laughs> flying over this nation of ours to hit Adelaide and the Cattery, which won't be a warm welcome for them at all. But then when I get there, I've got to do the drive over with the dog and my fella, and then once we get there, we'll settle in. But, yeah, it's all very exciting. I'm, uh, I can't believe I got through first season of Rocky Horror in Sydney. 50 shows. Well, oh, already. my God. Well done. 50 shows. God, that flew. Absolutely flew. flew. Oh, and I'm, I'm really sad it's over. I have had the best time. I think I've never felt better. I've had the best time living in Sydney. I've lived here a couple of times, never loved it as much as I have this time. And, yeah, I'm going to miss it, to be honest, which is weird because I don't know. I'm pretty not nostalgic for stuff like that. But I'm like, oh, gosh, I think I'm going to miss it. I love this is how you've kicked off your 2023. It's good vibes. And you're going to be it calling Adelaide vibes. home for the next few weeks and then heading off to Eurovision, calling Liverpool home and then back to Melbourne. So your yeah. life over the next few months is going to be wild. Yeah, as is yours. You'll be travelling around the place too. Oh, yeah. We might see each other in the UK. Or at the airport. <laughs> in the lounge. We'll do an episode. T- oh, my God. We could do an episode of Bang On in the lounge together. I mean, that would be full circle, wouldn't it? Because I think the first year we did Bang On, you were often doing um, one of the episodes from the um, Whispering in the Corner of the Lounge. That's correct. You made me do that and I had to walk I made you do that. I You did. I was embarrassed. I was just so embarrassed because like, it'd be like, who is this woman just banging on literally for an hour oh, in come the airport on. lounge it is, is, quite loudly? Beautiful Probably. payback for all the businessmen who hold their meetings very loudly in every lounge very around the point. world. Very good point, Zan. Very good point. Your opinions are as valid as theirs, I say, Miff. Absolutely. And my content is as valid <laughs> as theirs. Closing, ne- closing deals, forget. talking about camel toe. Same thing. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Same same thing. I mean, we're all, <laughs> it's all just made up anyway, isn't it, life? <laughs> it's all just like, you know, you can say one thing's more important. It's like sport. People who think sport's more important. It's just made up. Someone just made it up once and we're all, we all do it. Let's not take it that seriously. And that's why we've got a podcast about music, exactly. art, life and stuff. 
uh, making right. up shit every week. We're going to talk about the Barbie trailer very, very mm. soon. Also, you put something in the Google Doc this week, our little place where we put all of our ideas. Mm. Rod Stewart at Bunnings will explain everything. Mm-hmm. The ludicrously capacious bag of succession, which happened a couple of weeks ago, that story has been building and building. And it's also, fashion. it's, it's fashion. fashion. Um, Fat Phobia, a great piece that one of our favourite writers has written this week for The Guardian. So we're going to get to all of that. But I want to dip into the bang box before we do, Miff, because mm. I've been catching up. It's been a busy couple of weeks, but I caught up with a bunch of really great emails and I wanted to share them with you and, of course, the bang fam. Peter in Hawthorne emailed us this week. It was after we shared uh, the tales of me being woken up by Norman, my cat sneezing mm. on me. And then you backing that up by talking about the time that your cat vomited next to your head. It wasn't a time. It was last week. (laughs) (laughs) It was very fresh in my memory. (laughs) It's the worst way to be woken up, but anyway. Peter's gone one better. Hi, Zan and Miff. Another vomitous tale, and he has spelt tale, T-A-I-L, from the Bang Cat Fam, A Memory of Monty. He woke me up early one morning with that choking sort of vomit noise that all cat owners know so well, very close to my ear. So close, in fact, that he puked right in my ear. I mean, how's the aim? Ear canals are not big. Well done, Monty. That is excellent aim. He goes on. However, the sound of it actually wasn't as loud as my sympathetic wife lying next to me in bed, doubled over laughing. (laughs) Monty, you legend. Also, Monty is now um, dearly departed. So rest in peace, Monty. You gave a lot, including vomit in your owner's ear. I love that. Some more animal chat as well from a couple of weeks ago. Louise in Brisbane wrote, Hi, Zan. I was listening to your... Because everyone knows that I read the bang box. That's true. I forward you you all the emails. You forward me the emails. I will say that. I do read them. Hi, Zan. I was listening to your Oscars debrief today and thought you might like to pass this little piece of info on to Miff, considering she doesn't read the emails herself. See? Yeah. Jenny the donkey, of course, from the Banshees of Inisherin. Jenny the donkey actually had a support donkey on the set of Banshees. True story. Her name was Rosie. Poor Jenny was a little prone to anxiety, so they provided her with Rosie to act as her support donkey, who also occasionally filled in as an understudy. Jenny the donkey. I know Miff is rather fond of donkeys, so I thought she might enjoy this bit of heartwarming info. Truly adorable. Jenny's support donkey. That is so cute. Donkeys can't get better. Support donkeys. Support donkeys. I want a support donkey. I want want my own personal support donkey for my own anxiety. That would be fabulous. Sorry, guys. Um, This is is just um, um, Bernadette, my support donkey. God, Bernadette's a good name for a donkey. It's a good name for a donkey, isn't it? Bernadette. I have such soft ears. I could just rub them when I was anxious. What do donkeys sound like again? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so good. Now, the trailer for the Barbie film came out this week. We've already seen little teasers. I'm getting very excited about this. It's coming in the American summer, so in July, only in mm. theatres, July 21st. Extremely kitsch and very, very camp. Everything looks very plastic and pink. Have you seen it yet? I've seen bits of it, but what I've seen, it just touched something deep inside <laughs> of me because she was in the Barbie car. The pink Barbie car and, and just that plastic and pink and the – it was like, I don't know, there's something so – I can't even explain it. 
it's it's about when you're a kid and aspirations and someone else always had all the Barbie gear and mm. you just wanted to go over to their house and play with it because it was just schmick and incredible and if they had the Barbie house with the elevator then or or the horse with the the, the Barbie oh, Palomino the or the van. car and the camper van like if they had any of those things you were like <laughs> these people are, are gods <laughs> these people are rich and they're gods and but just being around it it was like I guess it's like, you know, if you, you were a jeweller and you came across some precious metals when you're seven, <laughs> when you're seven and you, you see like all that Barbie gear, something just really kicks in. Yeah, I feel the same way about this movie. I think it's going to really knock me around a little bit in terms of my, you know, I'm not really into nostalgia and that kind of thing. I, 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 but this is this is the one thing that will really get me in the guts, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be that way for a lot of people. It's also still a little bit mysterious about what the storyline is because it very much feels like it's set in that plastic, fantastic Barbie world. But mm. there's a scene in it where Barbie is escaping. She is driving out of this world. Ken, who is... If you can, in case you missed it, Margot Robbie is Barbie, Ryan Gosling mm. is Ken. Very excited about both of those roles. Well cast, I've got to say, with Ryan Gosling because he's a bit of a Ken in life, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> Hate to say it. Seems <laughs> nice. Just seems pretty Ken. The spray painting of his six pack looks also looks particularly bad slash good in this in this trailer, which I love. But he jumps in the back with the rollerblades, and it looks like they're escaping this Barbie world. And there hasn't been a lot of reveal around this, but yes, some of the some people are talking about how this could be. Well, for example, underneath the trailer, it says this is the only line about the film: "To live in Barbie Land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place, unless you have a full on existential crisis, or you're a Ken." So that's all there is on the trailer. And knowing that this is being directed by Greta Gerwig, who's been behind Lady Bird, Little Women, Francis Ha, amazing director, not Mm. the kind of person who's going to do a straight down the line film. Um, This could be, I don't know, maybe like a Truman Show kind of realisation of, wow, this reality is messed up and maybe I want to go into the real world. And Barbie busts out of this plastic world and goes into the world that we live in. Who the frig knows? But I'm going to be there on July the 21st. I will be there too. And the thing is too, you know, I never really liked Barbie either because I A, didn't have it and B, really wanted it. And whenever you'd go to play at someone else's house, you'd sort of... You always felt a bit dirty when you played Barbies. How I do think. you mean? I don't know because I knew they were. I knew she was wrong because her feet wouldn't work in the normal world. Her waist doesn't work in the normal world. Like apparently she couldn't even stand up if she was real in the normal world, given the proportions of her body. Mm. And I guess because she looked so glamorous, like I felt wrong for loving her because that was kind of went against what I. I don't know. I, it's hard. It's hard to say. That's very astute of you, though. That as a young kid, a little girl, you were like, nah, this isn't right. I think all little girls do, though, because we all cut her hair. There's not one person who did not cut Barbie's hair. <laughs> Tried to destroy the myth. Oh, my we God, did. you're right. I think we did. This perfect image, well, an image of perfection that was given to us. Every girl I know cut Barbie's one, at least one Barbie's hair or painted or drew on her face or something. It's we so were tra- true. We were, trying to, we were trying to muck it up yeah. even then. Yeah. Because we knew no one looked like that. I wonder if there's going to be any moments in the film where all of a sudden Barbie turns up with a crew cut. 
Oh, fuck, that would be funny. <laughs> because cause remember when you used to cut their hair and you'd think you should have a, like a nice little pixie cut or something, but because it was a doll's head, there'd be like seven bits going out to the right and seven bits going out, out to you the top. You just had little sockets where the... <laughs> Whatever the material is, they're using that hair just like stuck in her head. I know. I know. And the other thing that I think I'm, I'm keen, not that I'm a pervert, but how are they going to do like sex scenes with Barbie and stuff? Because her and Ken both only had plastic mounds, remember? There was never any genitalia. Well, they do refer to that in the trailer. Oh. I thought I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend, boyfriend. Did he what? I'm actually not sure. Oh, well, there you go. Self-aware Barbie movie. It is. It is. I can't wait. I can't wait. July 21st, you will see me there. I'm going to be one of the uh, people who turns up at the midnight screening of Barbie. I'm very, very excited about that. Also, cool to see some of the other cast involved. It's a big cast. Issa Rae from Insecure is in it. Dua Lipa wasn't in the trailer but is listed in the credits. She's going to be featuring. And Will Ferrell is playing the CEO of Mattel, which makes me think, yeah, she's getting out of the Barbie world and into his office. It's going to be, I feel like it's going to be Truman Show vibes. Anyway, we'll find out. Now, Miff, why was Rod Stewart at Bunnings? Well, why wouldn't he be at Bunnings? (laughs) Rod Stewart, one of the the most globally recognised rock stars in the world, Currently on tour or was on tour in Australia. He's now in New Zealand, I think. Because um, believe me, once I saw these Bunnings photos, I was like, shit, I haven't seen him this time around. Can I go and catch him? I love that's um, how but... you figure out that he's on tour because someone snapped him at Bunnings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been, I'm in the tour bubble myself, so I can't really go and see anything, which is really weird for me. But anyway, I saw this photo on Twitter. My friend uh, Glenn Peters, who's, who's the night watchman on Twitter, sort of sent it to me with three exclamation marks. And yes... Rock and Rod, Rock and Rod Stewart was at Bunnings, um, and it was Bunnings in Sydney, I think, in north, the Northern Beaches. And apparently, he was there. He got photos with the staff. I mean, can you fucking imagine <laughs> just going through the uh, I don't know the, the the tools department, and there's Rod <laughs> having a look at a sander, like in head to toe white as well. In head to toe white, the white at jeans, Bunnings. the white yeah. sneakers. The white shirt, the little white cap. Just an angel, an angel gliding through Bunnings. That's right, an angel with great hair going through (laughs) Bunnings. Um, Apparently he was looking for his sausage sizzle fix. He'd heard about the sausage (laughs) sizzle, but he went on a weekday. So whoever's looking after Rock and Rod, you need an update on when Bunnings do have their sausage sizzle. But, um, yeah, he was quite upset by that. But but I sort of went deep on this. I rolled deep on it because I had to find out why and that's and why people listen to bang on to find out why rod stewart's at bunnings absolutely well as we know he's a model railway uh enthusiast not just an enthusiast i think he's actually mad for it yeah and he found on tour that bunnings is actually a place where he can get a certain type of wood that he uses for his models and he hasn't seen it anywhere else and he can't get it in the uk so he was stocking up <laughs> on a bit of dowel i think <laughs> Stocking up on some dowel, not gaffer tape, as I, I suspected, as every rock and roller does tend to stock up at Bunnings with, because gaffer can su- save everything. I mean, oh, okay. my brother, when he couldn't afford a, a new shoe, he just gaffer taped it up that's at one so point true. when he was on tour. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's true. So he's been going th- going to Bunnings to stock up and buy out a certain type of wood, um, which. I, I'm here for, really. Uh, the fact that he'd have to go to oversized luggage at the end of a tour from Australia because he's got wood. Planks. 
<laughs> it makes me kind of happy. I dug deep too because I was so curious about this. And first of all, because I'm a um, a customs nerd, I was like, does the same rules apply? You know, you can't bring certain going back the other way. No. Into Australia, no. you can take no whatever rules. you want. Okay, so no worry, no worries about worms in the wood and stuff like that. But he was also asked about it on Three AW, which is a Melbourne a- AM radio station, and and asked about exactly why he was at Bunnings and if he was there. And his answer was, yes, that's correct. I love Bunnings. <laughs> Rod Stewart is all of us. He is oh all God. of us. And he also turned up to a model railway store, which I love because Bunnings is a massive, massive conglomerate. And, yeah. you know, there are other places that you can buy your wood, quite frankly. But he also turned up to a lovely model train store in Sydney to find some carriages for his collection as well. Can you imagine being in that little store where you probably get, let's be honest, men of a certain age coming in a few mm-hmm. times a week and, and picking yeah. up their carriages? And yeah. um, and then Rod Stewart <laughs> just wanders in. <laughs> Got some carriages. <laughs> Just the cutest story of the week. I loved that. I know. It's given me great joy. Great joy. Well, I hope he enjoys his wood um, to make his <laughs> uh, his new models for his whatever he's making. Yeah. Or someone on Pup Fiction on, on Twitter came up with the genius line or using one of his songs. We are nailing. <laughs> we are nailing. Oh, make her again cross the seas. Now the lines. <laughs> That's it. Taylor Swift is on tour at the moment, speaking of mm. big shows, and there has been a lot of excitement about her eras tour. She's playing for three hours. She's going through all the eras. A lot of people are talking about how she arrives at her show. And a video was revealed this week of a janitor's trolley being wheeled up the back of the little ramp that goes up to the backstage area of those huge stadiums, mm-hmm. what happened when that janitor's trolley was wheeled up and leaned into the backstage area, Miff? Well, aside from a 74-pack of toilet rolls <laughs> being carted through, uh, apparently, allegedly, guess who's in there? Old Tay-Tay. T-Swift. T-Swift hanging, hanging out with the dunny rolls. <laughs> It was so funny. It's like opens up the side. It's almost like an acrobat's trick or maybe like I was watching a heist film because they just wheel it up and there's mops and stuff hanging out. And then they just open a door and out she pops, out she pops. in her out spangly pops. leotard and then straight onto the stage. Why would someone do this? Why wouldn't you turn up in like a big, dark sort of panel van? Why would you need to be wheeled onto the stage in a janitor's trolley? Yeah, I don't really understand. Although hasn't she got form? Didn't she do this in her last tour? And she was in another contraption of some description, and I can't remember what. But I feel like she's done this before. I think it's to create suspense. But surely if you're going to go to all the trouble of a janitor's cart, surely you could just, I don't know, put a towel over her or something. Like <laughs> It's the same thing. If you can't see what's coming, I don't know. I just don't really understand it. I, I don't. I, I, yeah, it's it's bizarre. Are the paparazzi going, that bad that she has to hide in that? Unless she's going through the audience, why is she going in a like? <laughs> if she's backstage already, what's the issue? Imagine everyone who sees any sort of janitor's cart anywhere near Taylor Swift just like mobbing it. Oh. Is she in there? I mean, it creates I, the wrong kind of suspense. Those poor cleaners who are just trying to do their job now at the stadiums going to be absolutely. mobbed. Absolutely. Well, they deserve to be celebrated, but not mobbed. It's very very funny. Um, it's it's a it's a real heist vibe, and it is true. So the the mystery and the myth around Taylor Swift um, continues to to beguile us. Yes, apparently she's got form at hotels too. Quite often arriving at hotels in luggage. 
oh, my God, yes, I've heard about this. Yeah. Which is a bit dark, to be honest. It is a bit dark. Also, she must be very flexible if she can curl up inside a bag. You know what it is, though? She's got one of those big Louis Vuitton cases (laughs) that you'd see on a Wes Anderson film. It'd be something like that. She's probably got it decked out like I Dream of Jeannie's Bottle or something. (laughs) Very grand Budapest Hotel vibes for Taylor Swift. Absolutely. Well, good for her, I say. Rebecca Shaw, otherwise known as Snitch on Twitter, which is how I came to know her work, uh, is now a regular columnist with The Guardian and she's written a brilliant article that I couldn't wait to share with you, Zanne, because I feel like it's capturing a lot of the sentiment I've been feeling as well of late. And the title of it is I Smell a Whiff of 2000s Fat Shaming in the Air. If you've never spoken out against it, now is the time. And basically what she goes on to state is that fat phobia isn't just a problem for fat people and she identifies as a fat person herself. She says that fat phobia actually causes so many more problems in that people who aren't necessarily fat but just everyone it encourages them to hate their bodies regardless of their size. Mm. And I think it's a I think it's a really strong premise. And and she cites changes in culture that that give her the absolute heebie jeebies. And I've been feeling it too a bit of late. Um the success of the film The Whale was the first one. Uh, a lot of people have discussed the problematic nature of that film and, and of course, uh Brendan Fraser winning an Academy Award almost I guess legitimizes some of the problems in the film and the portrayal of a fat person and there was also an Academy Award given for costume, mm. uh, which also says some. essentially it was awarding a, a fat suit, which I thought we'd kind of moved beyond in 2023. Um, she also mentions that the success of or at least the publicity behind the diabetes drug Azempic, I think that's how you say it, mm. and that that is something a lot of people, particularly celebrities, are taking at the moment in order to to lose weight for their health, which is totally understandable, but it seems to be uh, a very on-trend thing to be doing at this point, to the point where I think people who actually have diabetes have struggled to get medication mm. because of the demand on this drug. She, she also mentions the Kardashians getting skinny. And then the other one that I noticed too of late uh, that seems to be very on trend at the moment, removal of buckle fat in the face. Now, this is a removal of the fat between, I think, your jaw and your cheekbones, which allows you to kind of look like you've been hollowed out. Sunken, yeah. I'd never heard of this before reading this, and it's irreversible too. That's an intense procedure. Sure is. Why are you removing face fat? It's like... I know. Isn't that what you want to stay looking youthful? Mm. If you want to stay looking youthful, it feels like the, the 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 when she was talking about all this sort of stuff, and I love that it's framed this way because it's true. It is when we talk about this, it's a it becomes a problem for all of us, no matter what your size, no matter what your weight. We, and we go back to those times where you and I have been around long enough that this becomes cyclical. We've been talking a lot recently about that heroin chic. You know, yeah. fashion of the nineties. It's scary to see it coming back. And for it's, me, yeah, it's scary and exhausting. And it's like, God, we just, you know, as Beck says, two steps forward, one step back. You know, and we I'm just not, keep yeah. on coming back. We had this great sort of body positive movement that's happened in the last ten years, and it feels like a lot of that's being wrenched away with these current trends. And I know how detrimental it was to me in those times, mm. and how it's taken me nearly fifty years to finally start accepting this vessel that I have, this body, and. To see all that 
it, it's insidious. It's it's under the surface. To see it just going on again and people getting skinnier and skinnier, not that, you know, there's no judgment on skinny people, but I think just the glamorisation of that, again, worries me a little bit. And also the flip side of the fat shaming culture, which is judging people, uh, putting up photos, ridiculing people, what that does is that doesn't make people want to lose weight. It makes people hate themselves. Yeah. You know, more often than not, this is something that is causing a lot of psychological and a lot of physical harm. You know, it causes self-hatred. It doesn't cause thinness, which is something that Beck talks about as well. Yeah, Beck writes, I think, really concisely on the issue. She says, it's not just fat people who are destroyed by fat phobia. It is everyone. If you don't care about the feelings of fat people, I'm here to tell you that you should consider this anyway. Fat phobia causes people with non-fat bodies to perceive themselves as too fat. Fat phobia causes everyone to hate their bodies regardless of size. It does not cause thinness. It causes shame. It causes self-hatred. If you are fat phobic vocally or in your actions or even thoughtlessly, you are not hurting me, a fat stranger who is nice. You are hurting the people around you, even the thin ones you see as worthy of respect. You are handing people the tools to destroy themselves, all because you hate fat bodies for existing. Sorry, but get a grip. Isn't that amazing? It's such a good piece. We'll put it in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing. Always very on point, Rebecca Shaw in The Guardian. And the catalyst for this as well was that she was talking about recently showing her New Zealand girlfriend a video of Australian Idol where we all know what happened. A lot of things happened in Idol, but this was specifically when um, Dicko, one of the judges back in the early noughties, basically said to Paulini after turning up in a gold dress that, you know, you should shed some pounds. You shouldn't have worn that sweetheart. And when she showed her girlfriend that, she was shocked. And then Beck was like, well, this happened in 2003. It probably wouldn't happen today. But now we see all of this stuff rising again. And interestingly, off the back of this article, just in the last 24 hours, Dicko has been talking about this moment himself. He is one of the people in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, a mm. show that you've been on as well. And one of the other contestants questioned him about that moment um, all the way back in the early noughties. I said 11 very banal words. Yeah. Which just sent the whole country into a tailspin. Yeah, I can see how if that was said today. <laughs> yeah. Right, if that was said today, you would have been put to the, put to the chair. I'm a straight shooter, but these days I've had my arrows confiscated because it's just not worth it. You've got to find a way to be straight these days. I promise you there are thoughts going on in this head on this show that I can't verbalise. He would have been cancelled. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Cancel culture, you would have been yeah. cancelled. Yeah. Would I say it today... No, I wouldn't. But I'm a different person today and the world's different. And he wouldn't say it today because he'd be cancelled, not because he would think about the hurt that that would cause other people. That was so interesting that it was like, there's no apology there, is there? There's no understanding of what saying someone should shed a few pounds on national television to a woman who is not overweight, As a, just as a side note. She's a, you know, average body in a gold dress, and he's saying that, and the same thing happened to Jess Malboy when Kyle Sanderlands told her to get rid of the, you know, the the jelly belly, and there's oh, no, there's yeah, no, I'd forgotten about there's that no too. concept, there's no concept of the fact that that's harmful. Dicko's takeaway from that is, oh, you can't say anything anymore, and I wouldn't say that today. And I think he actually mentioned, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be cast on a show like this if I said that today. It's like 
that's not the fucking point, mate. Like, it's just no idea. It's 2023. No idea about how these words with that platform, which he acknowledged at the time was 2 million people watching that show. This is before streaming. Huge platform. And he says shit like that. It's it's damaging. For me, that was the first time I kind of started to prick my ears about how messed up the music industry was. Mm. And that's when I started seeing it more and understanding it a little bit more because I knew it felt wrong. It just felt so wrong. And I think we now know with all of the stories that have come out uh, due to the Me Too movement, that whole industry has needs and required a shakedown from the top down. And I'm just really surprised that there was no kind of, no understanding of that. It's interesting, isn't it? And this speaks to Beck's point that it's two steps forward, one step back, that if we see this, call it out. Don't fall down this rabbit hole again of fat shaming, of talking about women's bodies at all. It's none of and your business. And men's bodies too, I think. And men's bodies. Just Anyone's stop bodies. it. And call it out if you see it and call it out if you're in a position where you're not as vulnerable as some people who are being abused and judged. Uh, speak up, as Beck says. For, for everyone, because it affects everyone. It was a great piece. Bit of fashion. You know, whenever mm. I hear that, I imagine I'm being papped. I'm just walking down the streets of Milan. Yeah. Just being snapped with my Burberry bag. But, of course, I That's would never right. wear a Burberry bag because I'm a billionaire that doesn't want to show my wealth. That's right, because apparently we have learned from the first episode of the new series of Succession that you do not carry a bag that implies a label, even if it doesn't have the words of it, mm. but implies by its check, in this case, of a Burberry bag. You do not you do not wear that loudly and proudly, and you also do not need what Tom Wamsgams said was a ludicrously capacious bag. In, so in case you missed it, it was Tom Wamsgans who's now in the running, I guess, for succession because of all his bad activity and behaviour. And he basically um, had a go at his cousin Greg's unexpected date who came along to Logan Roy's birthday. Um, and she came with a large oversized Burberry bag and he called it ludicrously capacious. What's even in there? Huh? Flat shoes for the subway? Her lunch pail? I mean, Greg, it's monstrous. It's gargantuan. You could take it camping. You could slide it across the floor after a bank job. So awful. That's so, so so awful. Because rich people don't need bags because they have other people who carry the shit for them. It's true. None of them ever carry a bag, do they? No. No, never. But it did get this whole conversation going about stealth wealth, which is a term that I never heard of until now, and I kind of love it. It is quiet luxury. It's Gwyneth Paltrow in the courtroom wearing a 1,500-pound cream knitwear. You know, it's mm. there's no labels. It's not grotesque. It's fancy, and if you know what you're looking at, then you're a billionaire too, and it basically is the one percenter way of dressing. That idea of stealth wealth, you know, 
brands recognised by members of their tribe. As Mm. Milton Pedraza says, the chief executive of the Luxury Institute. The frig is the Luxury Institute? Very curious about that. A research group in New York City. (laughs) It sounds like the Ponds Institute. A whole lot of of bullshit in a scientific jacket. If you know, you know is the basic, you know, underlying kind of idea and, and value of stealth wealth. But it's fascinating, isn't it, this idea of, um, and Tom Wamsgans, you know, in the in succession wears a lot of loudly rich clothes as well because he's new money, he's bought into yeah. the family, whereas none of them are wearing that. They're all wearing very low-key uh, neutrals, Category 5 neutrals and what have That's you, but right. very expensive clothing, no Burberry but, brands, none of that. But this shows his transformation too. Him being judgmental of it means he now understands the language. He now understands the language of the super rich. He's the hunted and becoming the hunter. Absolutely. Well, this is, <laughs> and this, I think, is the transformation of this series because he is obviously now in line for succession of the wealth. He's changed his game completely, and he knows he knows how to play it. And I'm I'm kind of excited to see how low he will go. Really, <laughs> I'm just excited that he could get ludicrously capacious out because that's a hard two words to say, Miff. Ludicrously I didn't even know what capacious. capacious was. What does it mean? I have yeah. to look it up. Here we go. Capacious meaning. I, I typed it into Google before. Oh, I, I love that. Miff Googles. Having lots of space inside, roomy. <laughs> and that is to carry, exactly as he said, to carry your shoes when you catch the subway so you can wear your heels when you're out for dinner. All of those things. For that a spring I, racing I carnival. Absolutely. I personally would have put, you know, in my bag. And I feel, I feel very sorry for Burberry because it's clear it's a Burberry bag. But they are a luxury brand or deemed a luxury brand but because of their association with, I, I guess, that, that whole British chav movement of the, the 2000s where... Chavs, EastEnders, that kind of thing, because the British have a very solid class system, mm. which I think is completely inappropriate and wrong. But anyway, um, they embraced Burberry and then it got a whiff of perhaps not so classy. It was it became more aspirational classy. So there's a lot of layers to this ludicrously capacious bag. Stealth wealth, term of the week. Absolutely mm. love it. What are you banging on about this week? Ah, speaking of well, uh, well mania. The new TV series that's on Netflix, Uh, it is the brand new and it stars the magnificent um, Celeste Barber, who I I have to say is one of the most watchable actors, I think, of our times. She's extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary in this because she's, I I, I imagine quite herself, but on camera it's, yeah, she's just really engaging and so watchable. And um, well, Bridget Delaney is someone who is a writer that we have spoken about many, many times mm. on Bang On. Mm. And she wrote a book a fair few years ago that, that charted her experiences within the wellness industry. Um, she's always on hot topics and always on point. And this has now been, I guess, made into a, a, a narrative story. And um, it's just a gorgeous, very, very watchable Netflix series. I'm about four or five episodes in now and I didn't want to stop. It's one of those and it's fantastic. It's a binge. Get in there and binge it. it Half an hour as well. That nice juicy half an hour time. Yeah. And it's a love letter to Sydney as well, as far as I can tell. It looks beautiful. The cast are all fun and gorgeous and yeah, it's great. I think also Benjamin Law had a hand in it too. Did he adapt yeah, it he to did. the screen? Which is like he did. just good people making funny shit. I've only seen the first episode, but I need to dig into more. I really was hooked in for the first episode. So yeah, that's a good bang on. Very much bang fan, bang on, well mania. Absolutely. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about well, it's kind of a broad umbrella. I'm banging on about 
comedy festivals. I've been seeing a lot of shows this week for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, but heaps of them have just played at Adelaide and they're going to be on the road to Brisbane and Sydney over the coming weeks as well. And I just have been reminded how good it feels to sit in a room of people and laugh your ass off because, you know, Mm -hmm. we kind of had that we lost it for a year or two and then we had it in kind of reduced capacities in some ways. But it's sort of, you know, Melbourne in particular feels like it's back with a vengeance over the last few months. The city has really bounced back. There's so much going on. And being at the Comedy Festival and seeing awesome shows from Nate Valvo, from Tom Ballard, Edo and Edmonds back after four years, Geraldine Hickey doing a wonderful show, um, and also seeing new people like Mandy Nolan, who I'd never seen before, and she is a comedian that's been a comedian in sort of Byron Bay area for decades and last federal election ran for the seat of the Greens in Byron Bay and, oh. and told this great storytelling show about the experience of that, which, as you can imagine, politics itself is just ludicrous. So just seeing that and seeing stuff that I, you know, didn't know about, and I think that that's what I kind of wanted to bang on about because I see all my favourites, but over the coming weeks I'm going to see a bunch of people that I've never heard of before or have never seen before, and that's one of the beauties of discovery. If you've got the time or the means to be able to dive in, I highly recommend it because it's just full-on endorphin rush, laughing in a room full of people. And actually, if you don't have the means or you're nowhere near any of these cities, I just saw that ABC iView has got heaps of those comedy festival shows up online. They've got the gala, they've got the all-stars, they're doing episodes each week. So they're capturing some of these shows that are happening in Melbourne and putting them on iview for free. Um, If you want to check it out. So I'll put a link in the show notes. But, um, yeah, just comedy, just laughing. That's what I'm banging on about, Go and have a laugh. Go Go and have a laugh. Go and have a laugh. It is. It's good for the soul. Yeah, I just feel, like, joyful and excited and, you know, new things as well. Hey, before you get off and head along on your road trip to Adelaide, can I read you one more email from the Bang Box? Yeah. Speaking of good for the soul, I wanted to share this beautiful email from Sophie that just knocked me for six. And I'm so grateful for all of the reviews you leave in your podcast app. We read all of them. Thank you so much. That also helps other people find us. So thank you for everyone who leaves a rating and review. But we just get some amazing emails too, which only we see, but I wanted to share this with the Bang fam because it's just gorgeous. Sophie writes, hey, Zan and Miff, I wanted to extend my deepest gratitude to you both for your wonderful wit, heart and spirits that you both generously share with us every week. Like many, the last few years have taken their toll with the toxicity and erosion of our humanity and the natural world. However, your informed and beautiful banter continues to uplift me every week. I feel less lonely, less afraid and more connected and understood as a woman with a dog (laughs) trying to live life with compassion and hope. I work as a therapist and I've shared bang on with my clients who all share a similar sentiment on how much value they place on your work. So thank you. The joy, laughter and hope you bring matters and I'm proud to be Bang Fam. Oh, my goodness. We're not therapy dogs, we're therapy pods. I love that Sophie is prescribing Bang On to her clients. It's amazing. Just a beautiful email. Sophie, that really, really knocked me for six when I read that one. Thank you so much for taking the time to write that. Just gorgeous. How lucky are we? We're very lucky. We've got a beautiful Bang Fam. Hey, good luck on your road trip. Thank you. Can listen Good luck to, an to anyone who sees us rolling into town. <laughs> I can just imagine Viv's hair, little face, the tongue out the side. New yeah. city, where are the sticks? Where, yeah. <laughs>
Oh, she's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's a long trip. It'll be great. Good luck. Godspeed. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. On. We are nailing, <laughs> we are nailing Omega again, cross the sea.